Today is a very special day. You know, a little more than six years ago, Heather Fleck and her family joined us and joined our staff as our children's ministry director. And uh, over that time, she has done a truly wonderful and creative job of uh, leading our children's ministry. Uh, during that time, she's also been sorting through a personal call to become a pastor, which is a tough sorting process. Uh, I've been in conversation and prayer with her about it for a number of years, and the elders and I, more recently, over the past year or so, charted a course of study for her to put herself through so that she could adequately be prepared with the right foundation to be a pastor. She is now more than halfway through that course of study. We licensed her as a pastor two months ago, and as she continues her course of study, she'll be moving toward, uh, toward full ordination as a pastor in the Vineyard Church. Today, to help us celebrate Palm Sunday, her first sermon ever, please welcome this morning, Pastor Heather Fleck. Well, one thing that I have missed during this pandemic has been the award shows. You know, the ones I'm talking about, right? The Oscars, the Grammys, the Academy Awards. There's just so many of them, and they just truly fascinate me. But what really gets me is that these actors and actresses, they walk a red carpet. They walk down the red carpet, and it's sometimes the most important part of the night for them. But think about this, for 364 days out of the year, most of these actors and actresses, I think they work pretty hard at trying to blend in. They go to great lengths to just blend in. They have bodyguards, they have security teams, and some of them will even wear disguises just to blend in. What is it about these award shows, this one night, that is so different? For some, they're gonna be honored for their role that they played in a movie or a TV show. But for others, it's a night for the world to see them. For the world to see them the way they want us to see them. Many things about this, there's, there's one entrance in the Bible that seems to maybe correlate with a red carpet event. And we know it as the triumphal entry. You can find it in all four of the Gospels, but the passage we're gonna look to at today is the passage in Mark, chapter 11, verses one through 11. And if you'll turn there with me in your Bible or dial it up on your phone or electronic device, we're going to take a look at that together. First, Father God, I just want to ask that you would just that you would just put away all distractions. That you would just come and be a part of this morning that you would just your spirit would just pour out. Lord, that you would remove me from the equation and that they would hear your words, Lord. Amen. Mark chapter 11, verses 1 through 11, it says this. It says, As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, 
Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you doing this, tell him, the Lord needs it and will send it back here shortly. They went and found a colt outside in the street, tied at a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, what are you doing untying that colt? They answered as Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. Jesus entered Jerusalem and went to the temple. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Jesus wants to be seen. It's subtle, it's under the radar, but Jesus is gently telling us to look, watch. You don't want to miss this. It's like the orange barrels in a construction zone on the interstate. You know the ones that start 10 miles before the actual construction? You see them, but how important are they really? Is there work right ahead? Or do you have a few miles? Do you really need to change lanes? It's not until you get right up on that flashing light that it's really clear. Now you see it. You had all the warning signs, but it wasn't until you were right up on it that you took it seriously and realized there was really something going on, something you needed to pay attention to. So let's take a look at this scripture together and discover the ways in which Jesus wants us to see him. In Mark 11, 1 and 2, it says, As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. Let's stop here for just a minute, because Jesus has just instructed two of his disciples to go into the town ahead. This town is Jerusalem, the town that he's about to enter. Now it's Passover, and so there's a lot of people in the streets. What's two more? They don't enter Jerusalem ahead of time to announce Jesus coming. They're not shouting on the street corners, come and see this man named Jesus. I imagine they blended right in with all the other people that had traveled to Jerusalem for Passover. Instead of making an announcement, they simply untie a colt, begin to take it. And did you know that back then to purchase a colt or a donkey would have cost an average of half a year's worth of wages? Now that's a pretty substantial amount of money. And I guess they could have borrowed one, but I don't think it would have had the same effect. It's that first orange barrel. Two men taking someone else's property, I think that would get someone's attention. So let's read on and see how Jesus tells them to handle the situation. It says, if anyone asks you, why are you doing this? Tell him the Lord needs it and we'll send it back here shortly. They went and found a colt outside in the street, tied at a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, 
What are you doing untying that colt? They answered as Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. Any of you ever been to a concert before? How'd you find out about it? Word of mouth, radio, TV, billboard, email. In some way, you were given a heads up that that band or that event was happening. You knew they were coming. Now, I'm fairly certain that the disciples didn't use a megaphone or an amplifier of any kind when they went into the town, but it sure does make me raise my eyebrows when two of Jesus' disciples tell the people the reason that they're taking the donkey. Did you catch it? See, Jesus wasn't known for announcing his arrival into towns. Jesus would simply arrive. He would begin speaking, and crowds would gather. They didn't have cell phones, but they did have word of mouth. And man, I imagine news travels fast when the person speaking is Jesus. All through the book of Mark and the other gospels, you can find examples, but today we're going to look at an example in Mark 2.13. It says, once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him. A large crowd came to him. People saw Jesus and believed in him. They believed that he could do so many things, and they just could not wait to hear him speak. See, Jesus knew the disciples were going to encounter the question, why? Why are you taking this colt? And the response that they gave, the Lord needs it. That's the announcement. The disciples are telling these people, someone important is coming. The Lord needs it. Those words alone would definitely pique my curiosity. At the very least, I can imagine going back into my house and telling everyone, hey, guess what? The Lord's using my donkey. Then in verses seven and eight, it says, when they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Jesus is going to ride this donkey? Whoa, 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 whoa. This is not a traditional form of transportation. Jesus and his disciples were not known for riding upon anything when they traveled. Throughout the gospels, Jesus traveled mainly by foot and he went to a lot of towns. Several occasions, he took a boat but riding a donkey was not something that would have been typical. It was out of the ordinary. So you know how those actors and actresses, they arrive at that red carpet? We don't see them getting out of their own personal cars or an Uber, do we? It's the finest. It's a limo. Someone opening the door for them as they take their first step onto the red carpet so that even that very first step is flawless. Just the limo pulling up gets people to look. It's not something that happens all the time. It's out of the ordinary. It causes us to pause and take note. Branches and cloaks spread across the ground, creating a path for this donkey to walk on. You know that people are talking now, right? They're coming out of their houses to see what is going on. There's so much joy and celebration that everyone wants to be a part of it. 
The palm branches and cloaks spread along the ground, creating this clean, spotless path for Jesus to enter on. Hey guys, it's the red carpet. The people are recognizing that this man on the donkey is someone important. They have stopped what they're doing to see him, to see this man called Jesus enter the town. Riding a donkey during this time could have signified someone of royalty or divine importance coming. To be riding upon something alone would have caught people's attention, but it was more than that. The people didn't just see a man. They saw Jesus. It's Passover. And Passover was the time of year when people would celebrate how God freed the Israelites from slavery in Egypt. It was a spring festival and would have drawn people to town from all over. The streets would have been lined with people. There would have been an air of celebration. And here comes Jesus on a donkey. Whatever else was going on at that moment was not important. The only thing the people could see was this man they believed was coming to rescue them. The people of Jerusalem were desperate to be freed from Roman rule. And seeing Jesus coming on a donkey with everyone putting palm branches down created an excitement in these people. Freedom from Roman rule? At that moment, I don't think it mattered. Jesus was bringing hope to a town. He was bringing hope to the town of Jerusalem. Jesus wasn't dressed in fancy clothes, wearing a gold crown or While he would wear a crown later, it would be a crown of thorns. He was coming quietly, sitting upon a donkey. Jesus was fulfilling a prophecy from Zechariah. And in Zechariah 9.9, it states, Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. Jesus wants us to see him. In verses 9 and 10, it says, Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. Hold on, wait a minute. Shouting, praising Jesus as he entered? I get it. The people are excited. I understand. But all through the Gospels, we hear these stories of how Jesus traveled all over, healing people, ministering to people, teaching, preaching. Specifically in the book of Mark, there's two times when Jesus instructs those he has healed not to speak a word of it. When Jesus heals the man with leprosy in Mark 1, he tells the man in verse 44 not to speak a word of it. Doesn't seem like a man who wants any attention. Again in Mark 5, when he heals Jairus' daughter, it says in verse 43, he gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this. Strict orders. So imagine you're told that you have the opportunity to sit in on one of the most amazing life-changing events ever. 
but you're not allowed to share the experience with anyone once it's over. You're not allowed to speak of it. But what you will see is something so profound, so life-altering and amazing. Those people had just experienced miracles right in front of them, some of them right to them, and they weren't allowed to talk about it. I can't imagine not being able to share with others this amazing miracle, having to keep it to myself. But Jesus didn't want to draw attention to himself at those moments. But now, Jesus is riding on a donkey into Jerusalem while people are shouting and praising him. Palm branches and cloaks are being laid out in front of him along the way. Something's different. Jesus wants us to see him. Sending his disciples ahead to retrieve a donkey and telling the people the Lord needs it sounds like a subtle hint that something big is coming. Then the actual riding of the donkey into town, now that's definitely gonna get heads turning. Add the people laying palm branches down, <laughs> we've got ourselves quite a red carpet event, don't we? Drawing even more attention, you have people shouting and praising Jesus as he comes into town. For a man who seems to mostly operate on the down low, he sure is making a point to be seen. Then in verse 11, it says, Jesus entered Jerusalem and went to the temple. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the 12. Jesus has ridden into town. He has got the town all wound up. They're looking. He has got their attention. But Jesus doesn't give some grand speech. He doesn't have a parable to share. He doesn't even offer to heal anyone along the way. He sat upon a donkey while an entire town stopped what they were doing to praise him. The grandest entrance and yet the simplest all at the same time. Those in the crowd that day, they saw Jesus. They saw him come into Jerusalem. But I don't think that's just what Jesus wanted them to see. Friends, it goes so much deeper than that. He wants us to see this entrance into Jerusalem, absolutely. But he doesn't want us to stop there. He wants us to see what happens next. Because it's what happens next that is the most life-changing. The entrance is just the beginning. Jesus wants us to watch, pay attention, look. It's what happens in the days to follow this entrance that is the most important. How else are we supposed to know something big is coming? It's like the orange barrels that line the road. They're telling you that something is coming. There's about to be a shift in the road. Something's going to happen. You are going to have to make a decision coming up. What will you do? That entrance into Jerusalem, that's our cue. It's time to pay attention. What happens after the entrance is the spotlight moment. It's why Jesus wants us to see him now. 
After that grand red carpet entrance into Jerusalem, Jesus went to the cross and he died. He died for those people that were shouting praises just days before. He died for the Roman soldiers that beat him and mocked him. He died for you and he died for me. But Jesus doesn't want us to stop there either because then he conquered death. Jesus rose from the grave so that we could see him today. This scripture, you guys, has opened my eyes in a whole new way. I have heard this scripture preached and taught to me many times over the years. But I have never encountered Jesus the way I have while preparing the sermon. I have been drawn to want to see Jesus more and more. I have to, when I want to encounter him, I see him at work mostly when I'm in the scriptures, when I'm reading his word and spending time with him. And reading this passage has given me a renewed thirst for seeing Jesus. Jesus is drawing us in here when he rides into Jerusalem. Jesus is beckoning each and every person in the crowd to look. Look at what I am about to do for you. Look at the love I have for you. This love that is unconditional and never wavering, this love that wipes all of your sin away and makes a way for you to have a relationship with the Father. This love that builds a bridge from God to us. Look, Jesus wants you to see him. My daughter Riley was born blind. Her story is a testimony to the wonders of God and all he is truly capable of. But today, I want to share a particular story with you. When Riley was born blind, it was the most devastating news. Kevin and I rearranged our lives, schedules, everything to begin caring for this little girl that God had blessed us with. At about three weeks old, Riley had already undergone several eye surgeries And then to add to it, she decided to stop breathing. Now, she didn't just stop breathing once or twice. She stopped breathing over 15 times. Of course, she was taken to the ER where she was intubated. And it was during this time that Kevin made her a promise. Do you know those daddy promises? He leaned over her bed and he said to her, Listen, if you breathe all by yourself, I will take you to Disney World. Now, I know Riley's three weeks old, right? She might be a little too little to know what her daddy was promising her, but I wasn't. So fast forward the clock eight months. Riley's recovered from whatever that breathing thing was, which doctors chalked up to acid reflux. A couple more eye surgeries and a small glimpse of hope that Riley might be able to see. Riley had begun to grab at shadows of objects And she could see bright things, so it would be fitting that her first word would be light. With this hope of Riley being able to have some kind of vision, she was fitted for her first pair of glasses at eight months old. Now it was time for Daddy to hold up on his end of the bargain. We were going to Disney World. Not expecting Riley to be able to truly take it all in, We just hoped it would be a good time for us as a family to get away and see another part of the world with her. 
Now you all know that parade at Disney World that comes down Main Street. We were excited to watch this with Riley for the first time because she had grown to love Mickey Mouse. We were all brought to tears when the first float came around the corner. You, can you imagine what she saw? We were those parents though who decided we were gonna stand at the entrance because we were leaving when this parade was over. We were cashing out. Around the corner came Mickey Mouse and my daughter started clapping and springing for joy in her daddy's arms, screaming, Icky house, Icky house. We were all amazed. She could see him all the way at the end of the street. There's no way. But it was true. My now nine-month-old, once blind little girl saw Mickey Mouse. She jumped in our arms with excitement, clapped her hands. She could see him. Guys, that's my prayer for you today. I want you to be able to see Jesus. Maybe for the first time, like Riley with Mickey Mouse, you're sitting there saying, I see him, I see him. You could be like Kevin and I were, and in that moment, we saw Mickey in a different way, a better way. Maybe you too are seeing Jesus today in that way. Friends, Jesus wants us to see him. He wants us to see what he has done for us. He wants you to know that his love for you is that great. Jesus entering into Jerusalem set into motion the single most important event. Jesus entered into Jerusalem knowing what was about to happen, knowing he was going to be beaten and hung on a cross. He knew those people shouting praises were soon going to be yelling, crucify him. Yet he still did it. He wanted us to see him enter into Jerusalem. He wanted us to see his entrance because he wants us to see how much he loves us. He wants you to know that he did all of that for you. He wants you to see him. It's when we see Jesus that we realize the depth of his love for us. It's when we look at this entrance into Jerusalem and realize that everything Jesus did from that moment on was for you and me. And today, if you are here and you're asking yourself, that's great, but how do I even begin to see Jesus? I want you to know it's okay. It doesn't always happen overnight. But I would love the chance to pray with you right now. I would love to help you begin to see Jesus. So as the worship team plays, if, if I can pray with you, if you just come forward, I'd love to pray that God would begin to open your eyes so that you can see him. Because there's no greater love than the love that Jesus Christ has for you and me. And I hope you see him.